Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 58 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Seasoned Athlete is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. If you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you really love us, you can support our ability to continue to bring inspirational stories to you by way of a one-time donation. Just go to seasonedathlete.me and click on the Support Seasoned Athlete button to support this DIY independent podcast. Today's guest is someone I interviewed back when we first launched the Seasoned Athlete podcast over two years ago. I had her on to talk about her amazing feat of running 52 marathons in 52 weeks back in 2012 and 2013 to raise money in the fight against pancreatic cancer. Now she has told the story in depth in her new memoir, 52 Weeks, 52 Marathons, The Miles and Trials of a Marathon Goddess. And now she's back to tell us all about it. I'm so happy to welcome back to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast, the marathon goddess herself, Julie Weiss. Julie, welcome back to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Hey, it's so great to be here and actually in your studio as well, even better. I like how you're calling it a studio. You're in my totally. kitchen with my cats. I love your cats. Your cats make it awesome. They make everything awesome. So Julie, you were originally on the Seasoned Athlete Podcast all the way back in episode four, which is over two years and over 50 episodes ago. Uh, we first had you on to talk about how you ran 52 marathons in 52 weeks, and you did that to raise money and awareness in the fight against pancreatic cancer. And now this incredible feat is the subject of your new book, 52 Weeks, 52 Marathons, The Miles and Trials of a Marathon Goddess, now available on Amazon and on Audible. And by the way, you can get a free Audible 30-day trial and free audiobook by clicking the Audible link on seasonedathlete.me. So I'm super excited to talk to you about your book and go more in depth about your 52 marathons in 52 weeks and learn more about your newest bold, audacious challenge, which you seem to have a propensity to do, which is also benefiting pancreatic cancer research, 52 races for 52 faces. Julie, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. And I let me just add that the cats make it more awesome because it was already awesome to begin with, but your cats are more awesome, make it more awesome. But it's an honor to be here and I'm on race about to run number 18 of the new 52 races for 52 faces challenge. And I am really grateful for every step we're taking and every dollar we raise to cure pancreatic cancer. And I look forward, I want to talk to you about this in a little bit uh, because I just, it's so amazing. These things that you do that, that many of us would think, Hey, that would be cool to do, but wouldn't actually do it. But you, when you think of these things, you make it happen. And maybe we start with that a little bit and kind of going back to the 52 uh, marathons in 52 weeks. So brief overview, um, what that was, why you did it, and then how it ended up becoming a book. Well, unfortunately, it started with my father passing away from pancreatic cancer, and he was my biggest running fan. But as you can read in the book, I wasn't always perfect as nothing is. We had a very rocky relationship until actually I started running and running is what brought us together. And so sadly, when I lost him just 35 days after his diagnosis, I was devastated. And since I loved 
running marathons and I loved my father. I thought I was going to do something to help cure this disease after I learned about the statistics. I'm like, there's got to be something I can do. We can all do something good. Now, I'm not a scientist or a cancer researcher. I am a runner. So I thought, what could I do through my running uh, to raise money? And I think I had seen one guy, Dane Rauschenberg, who had done it before. And I thought, you know what? I woke up this one morning and I had this crazy idea. I talked to David. I'm like, do you think I can do that? And he's like, yeah, you can, but you're going to have to slow down. And honestly, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but this idea would not leave me alone. And so in March of 2012, I ran my first of the 52 marathons in Rome, actually. And that was the first one that was filmed in the spirit of the marathon, too, which is still available out there on Netflix and Amazon, I believe, iTunes. And when I was done, I was one down, 51 more to go. That's amazing. And you do talk about that Rome Marathon in the book. And what I love about the book, I just finished reading it, is that you designate chapters to specific marathons. And obviously, there's not 52 marathons covered in this book. That would have made a really, really big book for all the stories that were sparked from these marathons. But you cover some of the key marathons in the book. And of course, that first one in Rome, I mean, what a, what an amazing place to, to kick this off. Like, that's a great way to celebrate the launch of it. Um, that story is in the book. One thing that stood out to me when I was reading the book is, and it's something that just didn't occur to me when we first talked, when you hear about 52 marathons in 52 weeks, you think a marathon a week. And that wasn't necessarily the case. It couldn't be the case because life doesn't work that way. So can you talk a little bit about some of the circumstances or what you had to do to make sure you achieve those 52 marathons, even if you couldn't run every single week? Absolutely. In fact, when I set out to do the 52 marathons in 52 weeks, it was called 52 for you. I did have um, a few, I had a triple marathon in there somewhere and I realized I would have had 53 marathons in 52 weeks when I started. And I was like, okay, 52 for you, 53 for me. I'll do one extra. But as you mentioned, life happens and there's a whole chapter on something that happened that, you know, you never expect it. You know, something's going to happen. It's a year. You know, you have to go through all the seasons and all the airports and sometimes the unthinkable happens and you have to deal with life. So I did have to double up sometimes for, you know, a couple of weekends. I did double marathons back to back and then the Tahoe triple helped with the three in a row. And, um, you know, it was just it's really amazing what you can do when you set your mind to something and you do it for the greater good. You do it for somebody else. You're doing something that you love for somebody you love. And I say that over and over because I truly believe that's where the miracles happen. I mean, how else do you explain running 52 marathons in 52 weeks, holding down a full-time job and not getting injured? I mean, today we've raised over $500,000 and repaired the relationship with my father through running. I mean, all of these things, when you're doing something for you, something that you love for someone else, uh, miracles happen. Yeah, it's about being the why being greater than you. And then because it's greater than you, it's powerful and you 
you, you have a greater ability to stick to it and commit to it and overcome the obstacles that get in your way. And you had, I mean, it was interesting because, and I'm not going to get into the specifics because you want to read the story, but there were some circumstances where you, you knew what was happening in advance and were able to kind of plan around that. And, you know, like the, the triple marathon really helped with that. And then there were things that came up and some had to do with you and some had to do with mother nature. And you had to you know, so, some things you had maybe like a week to figure it out and some things you had hours to figure it out. And that was that was one of the most fascinating things to me about the book is kind of the problem solving that happened in that and, and how you had to you had to figure some things out on the fly. But because you were so committed to the cause, you did. You figured it out. That's right. And I think that uh, brings up Marathon 30 or 31, which was the New York Marathon in 2012 when Superstorm Sandy was um, uh, barreling down. Uh, and I had just finished, I think it was Marine Corps, and the storm was behind us. And I came back to New York the following week. And I, as soon as I landed, only to find out that they canceled the marathon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to, what am I going to do? I have to keep this streak alive, you know? And I didn't, realize that you know I could have made it work but in that moment of like panic and like oh my gosh what am I gonna do I mean just all the forces came together like I called my friends I'm like I need another marathon I know there's one in California flew back the next morning kept the streak alive and I you know I finished it and it's just really um you know with all the elements and everything that life throws at you you just have to keep going yeah, the urge to quit is there, but there also are opportunities. And, you know, the great thing about running marathons every weekend is you could, you could look up a calendar and there's marathons everywhere. <laughs> you know, there there's no shortage. So if you really want to make it happen, you just have to find out where to go and you make it happen. And I'm glad you brought up the, the New York Marathon story because that was one that that was one of my favorite chapters in the book, actually, is um, the, the, fat, the problem solving that went into what you did once that marathon was canceled, the fact that you were in New York and flew out to California to this, you know, and you were going to run this, the New York marathon and then ended up running this tiny marathon up in Santa Clarita. It's like, uh, but you, you know, and you just show up like right before you're like, yeah, can I do this now? And so I really, I really enjoyed that story. So I want to go, you, you know, you touched on this a little bit when I first introduced you today um, and just how running really saved you and, and changed your life and sort of, you know, what happened before, before your father passed away and before you took on this endeavor. But the fact that, you know, this was not your natural path necessarily, maybe, maybe now you're looking back and you're like, okay, this was always my natural path, but you didn't know that. And so can you talk a little bit about, you know, what your life was like before running and how you came into running and how it completely saved you or changed your life? Absolutely. I started running in 2007. I think it was September, no, February of 2007. I was a single mom, uh, about, I don't know, 40 or so pounds overweight. And that was a lot for me. And I walked down to the beach with my dog and I saw thousands of runners training for the LA marathon. And um, I just thought it was so beautiful what they were doing, but there was this wall between me and them that I couldn't 
breakthrough because I was stuck. I was depressed. I was just going through the motions of daily life. I was eating junk food and I was masking it and I was on the highest dosage of extra strength antidepressants that I could take. And I am thankful for those because they probably saved my life at the time because I had some very dark moments back then. And we uh, went on a trip, family vacation to Hawaii, and my father took us there. And I thought, you know, I'm going to change my life. I've got to, I've got to fix this. Cause I knew there, there was something in me that was calling me like, Hey, you know, wake up, Julie, you're not, you know, you're meant to live. We're all meant to live this life, not just kind of mask it with food and drugs and alcohol and all the things and men or whatever I was doing to, um, to make my, myself feel better, not realizing it was really hurting me or maybe I did. But anyways, I did, um, and this is all in the book. I won't get too much into it, but I did start running that trip in Hawaii in April of 2007 and felt like I ran 10 miles the first, <laughs> my first run, it was probably a quarter mile, you know, but something in me awoke on that trip. And I thought when I get back, I'm going to, um, keep running. I'm going to keep this commitment and I'm going to keep going when I get back. And I started to see my father was proud of me and I was proud of myself. It wasn't all perfect and sunshine and roses, but I kept that packed. And I, when I came back to Santa Monica, I, I went running on the beach and I could barely run from one lifeguard tower to the next without falling over. But that's what we have to do. We have to start wherever we're, we are. And, um, I just started to fall in love with it. And I decided to sign up for my first, uh, oh, it was a triathlon, I think. But, uh, then I got the bug. So you could call it a midlife crisis or whatever you want to call it, but I'm grateful for it all. Um, the, the highs, the lows, and, um, you know, we're still going, still going. That's so cool. And I'm glad you shared that because, I talk to people all the time that, that talk about, it's like, well, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a runner. I couldn't run. I'd die if I ran five minutes. You know, I was once there too. I was once somebody who was like, I don't run. I'm never going to run. I, you know, and I did feel like I'd die if I'd run for five minutes and a half mile felt like 10 miles. And a lot of people that prevents them from pursuing running at all because they don't feel like that's normal. But in fact, as you just said, that's very normal. Uh, just like learning any skill or any sport, you're going to not be able to do it very well when you first start. But it's about the practice and the persistence. And then, then you experience that runner's high for the first time. And that's a whole new level. And usually that's the thing that keeps you going in it. And, and you have proven that you, know, you could go from running a half mile and feeling like running 10 miles or not being able to run from one lifeguard tower to the next on the beach to being able to run a marathon almost every single weekend for a year. And so we all can start from one spot and end up like who knows where we'll end up. And it really depends on your interests. So I'm glad you shared that because I think it's important for people to hear, especially people who don't believe in their own ability to do something, whether it's running or anything really. But running is a nice it's a nice benchmark because it's there's no barrier to entry to running. You just have to have some shoes and be able to go outside. So we all, most of us have that. So um, so it's a great place for people to start no matter you know where they're at financially, no matter how much time they have in their lives. So thank you for sharing that. So I want to talk about your relationship with your husband, David Levine. And he, is he still your coach also? When I listen to him, yeah. <laughs> you know, that happens with marriage. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but he's a big part of this book. So, um, and it, you know, you talk, you talk very candidly about your relationships leading up to him and how your relationship blossomed and the challenges that were presented by this endeavor that you took on. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how the 52 marathons in 52 weeks both challenged and maybe strengthened your relationship? Absolutely. David is, I am so grateful to David. I mean, he has been a godsend. He was my coach when I first started running and wanted to qualify for Boston. And I, I think I attempted it like 17 or 18 times. And I finally said, I'm going to call a coach. I, I, and you know, he was busy writing his own book, the complete idiot's guide to marathon training. And he said, no, I don't have time. And I'm like, um, wait a minute. (laughs) What do you mean? No. But anyways, um, you know, he took on that challenge and he actually, um, got me to qualify for Boston, you know, and he is, he knows his stuff. He's a level two USA track and field coach and triathlon and all that. And he probably went on about 40 of those marathons of the 52 with me. And it was tough. Let me tell you, I mean, he is so, so sweet, but Sometimes I was so exhausted from running these marathons and getting back to work that, you know, I would lash out at him or I would, and then I would feel so awful and I'd be remorseful. And I was just so grateful that he, he stuck around, man. He was, he is and still sticks around. He's amazing. And I'm so grateful for all his love, his patience, his acceptance and um, support along the way. I mean, sometimes I'm like, he's the real marathon goddess. He, he's amazing. So I, I feel very, very lucky to have him. And we went through some tough times. You know, we got engaged and then we broke up. And then he's like, if we get back together, do I have to propose to you again? I'm like, why, yes, you do. At the LA Marathon, in fact, that's where I would love it. Didn't think he was actually going to do it. And he did. And and um, we kind of have that happily ever after story, which is really cool. Yeah, I really love that about the book. I love following the that story. And it's like going so- through something like you did where you're you're flying somewhere, usually almost every single weekend, you're doing this exhausting event. You're probably not getting enough sleep on the whole. That's I mean, like without doing all that, relationships have tests. And this just is like an extreme extreme test. (laughs) So, uh, you know, the fact that he made it through, you know, is a testament to, like you said, his patience and how he is as a person. And, and it was nice that you had, you know, it's like, you didn't mean to test him like that. It's just how the timing worked out. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I love that within this story of a book of, of, you know, the book about running and about your, your past, it was a love story in there. And that, that was really cool. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> you gotta buy the book to find out all the juicy details. Yes. Um, so, um, I want to talk about your newest endeavor, uh, 52 races for 52 faces. So when you finished the 52 and 52, um, did you ever think you were going to do something like that again? Well, That's a great question. When I finished the 52 marathons in 52 weeks, I became depressed actually because everything stopped. 
the donation stuff rolling in, the marathons, that dopamine or whatever that is in your brain that, you know, you look forward to another race and then more donations and more awareness for pancreatic cancer. It stopped. So yes, I was thinking of doing another 52 marathons in 52 weeks. Like maybe the following year I should do it again, but no, <laughs> you know, so there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot more growth that happened. I'm, and that 52, that year totally changed me. Um, and, and to the, you know, because of the people I met and it just really dove deep into my soul because when I started that journey and a lot of people, like half of the people who saw the movie of Spirit of the Marathon 2 saw like, oh my God, she's going to, she's so like, whatever, she's going to run 52 marathons and it's going to be awesome. No, <laughs> you know, I was so naive and I didn't know, I didn't know. And now I know. So I wouldn't suggest anybody do that. So uh, I would suggest, though, because you can do something and at any age. And I just want to tell people out there that I was not an athlete in school. OK, I was you know, I was hanging with the I was I wanted to be in the tough crowd. You know, I wanted to be with, you know, and, and some some of the people were not right for me, but I wanted to be with them. I wanted to be smoking and hanging out and whatever. I didn't start running till I was 37 or 38. So I want to, I want you guys to know that whatever your age is, you don't have to be a high school track star or anything like that, or elite runner, but we can all do something amazing. I mean, if I can do this, you know, somebody who came from that sort of darkness, you know, not, it wasn't all darkness, but that we all can do something amazing, something good. Doesn't have to be 52 marathons, but anyways, just take that one little step. So now I forgot your question. <laughs> so, well, you were kind of talking about, you know, the idea of doing it again and you fell into the depression. So obviously this was something like this was sitting in the back of your mind to do again. Um, now tell, and so it's been what, uh, six years, <laughs> six and a half, seven years of more or less living your regular life, writing your book, obviously. Um, why now? And how is 52 races for 52 faces different than the 52 marathons of 52 weeks? Great question. And in fact, I thought about it. I thought, you know, we still need a cure. Okay. Uh, while the statistics are getting slightly better, it went from a 5% mortality rate to after five years, which is awful. It's now nine. It's almost doubled, but that's still unacceptable. And I thought, you know, I've got, um, I can still run, but there's no need to do 52 marathons in 52 weeks again. How can I raise awareness and tie it in with the book and go on tour somehow and get the word out and inspire people, but not kill myself? So I, I did think about doing 52 marathons again. And I was like, yeah, no. Uh, and then I thought maybe 52 5Ks, but why limit yourself? So 52 races. I love to rhyme. 52 races for 52 faces every single marathon or race or 5K, 10K. So I'm doing all distances, not full marathons this time. And every single race gets dedicated to somebody battling pancreatic cancer or somebody who um, sadly we may have lost or even better, a survivor. Those are my favorite, but they're, they're all beautiful because I, you know, I just, you know, I, I reach out to these families or they reach out to me and uh, their story is shared with the world and we create more awareness for pancreatic cancer because that's half the battle and raising the funds 
is the other half. So I'm grateful to be running with the Hirschberg Foundation for Pancreatic Cancer this time. And they are the official charity for the LA Marathon, uh, official pancreatic cancer charity. And they also have a, a couple of other great events like the LA Cancer Challenge coming up on October 20th at UCLA. And they have Tour de Pier. They do uh, a lot of work. They're on the front lines battling and helping to find that cure. And so I'm, I'm grateful to be running for them this time around. And um, yeah, we're like, what, a, almost a quarter of the way there. <laughs> Gosh, already? <laughs> race I should say race number 18 is this weekend in Santa Monica I've got doing a lot of local ones because I'm a grandma now I want to stick around to see my you know the you know my kids and my grandkids and I do a couple out of town races probably um two one or two a month and I've got Napa coming up San Francisco Marine Corps so I hope to see you guys out there on the road somehow or if you know somebody affected by pancreatic cancer you can reach out to us by uh, going to 52 races for 52 faces.com and and let us know and submit your story and I'll run for you or with you or for your loved one that's amazing I just went on the website and you can see who has received race donation or race dedications so far and so you just scroll through and it's just so many different you know, types of people. And, um, it really kind of highlights, you know, that this disease can affect anybody and as, as cancer does. And pancreatic cancer is one of the most devastating forms of cancer as we know, which is why this cause is so important. Um, I know that, you know, in your book, you mentioned your friend Lupe, um, and you mentioned her several times and she recently passed, right? And your first race was dedicated to her. Do you want to talk about her a little bit and, and what she meant to you? And, and Absolutely. Uh, Lupe is uh, a ray of sunshine. She always was and still is. She was given, I think, six months to a year to live when she was first diagnosed. And she uh, lived for seven years. And I attribute that to her strong will, to her positive spirit, and her incredible faith that could move mountains, and not to mention the incredible care that she got from all of these wonderful doctors and pancreatic cancer charities. So it was like her purple family. We're a, we're a, we're a purple family. We're all in this together. And, you know, I'll always, we, we ran so many events together. She did like 12 marathons, I think. And she crossed the finish line with me on my 52nd marathon just a couple months or one month after she had had her Whipple operation. And that was so beautiful. Uh, that moment we crossed the finish line together, signifying hope, signifying that anything is possible, including finding a cure for this devastating disease. And, uh, you know, so whenever I look up into the sun, I, I feel her spirit and her beautiful family has been so supportive. And, it, you know, we're we're. And, you know, when she passed away, of course, I was devastated, but the book wasn't completely done. So I was able to uh, put her, um, dedicate this book to my dad and to her. So, so yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a beautiful story of a beautiful friendship. Did you meet her through the racing or did you know her beforehand? I met her through uh, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, one of 
the uh, volunteers there told me about her story and would you run for her? And I was like, of course, you know, and uh, she wants to meet you at the finish line. I'm like, of course, you know, yes. And that's when our friendship took off, actually. Um, And she would always say, like, I am her sunshine. And I'm like, no, you are. No, you are. We would, would kind of go back and forth, like, you know. But uh, she was like my soul sister and still is. Yeah. And it just it shows and it, you see it in the book, the very personal stories. And, you know, it's one thing to run for a cause. But when you when you do something this big, you can't help but get to know the people that you're actually running for and the, the people that the cause is about. And, you know, you talk about in the book early on, you know, you were struggling because the aware, you know, you, you weren't really getting a lot of publicity with these events and weren't, you know, the, the word wasn't getting out. And then it became personal and I, you requested stories. Mm-hmm. And when once you started receiving stories, it's like it was the floodgates opened and people were sending stories about their loved ones that were dealing with this disease or had sadly passed from this disease. And it made it just infinitely more personal. Um, and so th- that changes it. Did that change it for you? That 100% changed it and it made the journey so much bigger than myself and so much bigger than the marathons or the running. And that's in fact when I took off my watch because I'm like, it doesn't matter if I run under five hours or whatever. All that matters is that, you know, I'm doing this for somebody else. This is not about me. This is about these people that are struggling, that are battling. And in, when I would run these marathons, I think about them and I think about what they have to go through. And I'm like, my marathon became like, okay, I got this. And then it became, we got this, you know? So it was nothing compared to what they were going through. Yeah. And again, the cause is greater than you. What are some of the highlight races that you have coming up that you're most excited about? Well, every race I'm excited about. And, um, like I mentioned, I think I mentioned Marine Corps. I, um, I'm going to try to qualify for Boston eventually. I don't know if it's going to be that one, but I want to do it one more time. Um, LA of course will be my 52nd marathon or sorry, 52 race, (laughs) 52 race. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it then. Um, I've got, I've got to look at my schedule, but I've got San Francisco coming up. I've got uh, Long Beach, a lot of local races. So if you're in the LA area, you know, jump on the website, 52 races for 52 faces and come out with and run with us. Love to get a team together. So um, yeah, I can't think of them all right now, but uh, there's, uh, I'm excited about all of them. As you should be. It's it's really cool. And yeah, on that website, you got the whole list of races. And so if anybody's in this in the areas where you're racing, come out, race with Julie and you're always available for high fives. Right. <laughs> That's something I saw in the book quite a bit. Yeah. So it, your signature pose, your marathon goddess pose, arms in the air. It's actually on the cover of the book. <laughs> So uh, if you want to see the Marathon Goddess pose, uh, go to go to Amazon right now and look up uh, 52 Weeks, 52 Marathons, The Miles and Trials of a Marathon Goddess and see that marathon pose and get the book. It's got amazing reviews on Amazon, I saw. Um, and are you, I think you briefly mentioned, are you linking in a book tour with with these races? I am actually, I, a lot of the expos that I, um, that I go to, I'll be, I'll be at the expo, like for, I, I'm Napa, I'll be there at the expo, Long Beach, I'll be at the expo. Um, I've got a book tour list up there as well, and there's still some dates to be determined, but, uh, 
like the Tour de Pier and the uh, LA Cancer Challenge. I'll have a booth there and I'm still trying to book some more events and and that kind of thing. So it's kind of an ongoing process and it's um, just unfolding day by day and, you know, working on other things like the TED Talk and like my husband is writing a screenplay. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's very, very exciting. Oh, and my children's book. I'm also writing a children's book and that should hopefully be out on October or so because I want little kids to know that they need to believe in their dreams. I mean, if I had a, you know, if somebody told me like to believe in your dreams when I was a little kid and you can do anything, I would have been like, oh, I can. <laughs> so I want children to know. And of course, I've got grandkids now. So I, I want to inspire little kids as well to, to believe in your dreams and go after them because we all deserve to we all deserve our dreams. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny that so many of us come to that realization later in life? I think, you know, you're a, you're a later in life athlete. Um, I'm a later in life athlete. And, uh, you know, I've played a couple of sports where it's like, gosh, if you, if you told me about this when I was a kid, my life would have looked a lot different, <laughs> you know, if, I, if this existed when I was a kid or somebody told me about this. So I'm all about helping young people, you know, understand that, you know, this, this is available to you and you don't have to wait until you're in your forties <laughs> to do this stuff. Although it's really cool when people do, when they do make it happen, it's not too late and it's not too early. That's kind of the, the point I'm trying to get to here. That's right. At any age, you're never too young and you're never too old. And I forgot to ask you at the beginning. So I'm going to ask you the question I ask all my guests. And that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I am 49 and I will be 50. No, I'm I'm excited because I get a new age group. So I need the 50 year old qualifying time for Boston 2020. Um, And so I'm going, I'm all, I'm grateful for those 50 years. Are you kidding? So I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'll be 50 in April. Isn't it funny (laughs) that it, you know, when you're racing, it becomes about age groups and, and being the young one in the age group. I'm I'm so grateful for that. That's like a that's like the best birthday gift you could get. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. It's oh yeah, I'm the youngest in the age group. I'm gonna rule. Yeah, so I'm excited. I need a 355 for uh, to qualify for Boston, and I just want to prove it to myself that I can do it one more time. And maybe if I listen to my coach, my husband, I could probably do it again. I'm sure I can. But something weird happens when you get married. I don't know. <laughs> like I just stopped listening to him, and I qualified. I only been. I qualified for Boston in 2010, I think it was. It was 10 days after my father had passed away from pancreatic cancer. Um, It was obviously bittersweet, but, um, you know, hats off to David. He knows what he's doing. He's a great coach. And we weren't married back then, and I listened to him. But I should try that listening to David again. And he's got a great group as well. USA Marathon Training. uh, It's in Griffith Park. They meet every Saturday. So if you're in that area, you can go over there and try it out for free a couple of times. And that's in Los Angeles for those who are listening since it's a worldwide podcast. But if you are in the area in Los Angeles, you know, obviously he's a good coach, um, especially if you're not married to him. But, but, you know, maybe, maybe you just need to pay for the coaching. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do it this time. I've got to do it. And I will listen to him. Yeah. See, David, are you listening? I'm look, I'm going to listen to you and we're going to qualify for Boston. Wouldn't it be cool if I did it in LA in 2020 for my 52nd race? So that could be another goal. Always set new goals. Yes. 
Yes. And and I do like that you you continually say I want to qualify for Boston one more time. I feel like you said that in the book a few times. So if you should qualify for Boston one more time, do you think you will probably say, you know what, I want to qualify qualify for Boston one more time after that? That's that's a really good question. Maybe I will, but I also want to not worry about my time anymore. I, I want to take the pressure off. I want to pace lead more often. I want to run with people and like not even look at my watch because there's another joy in that. That's just, um, it's just the beauty of, uh, of running and you don't even think about how fast you're going. You're just running. And I want to get back to more of that. Obviously when you're training and you're doing your easy runs, that's what that is. But I would like to um, get back to pace leading like I used to do. And that's all in the book. You know, I used to pace lead for the L.A. Roadrunners. And it's kind of how I found my groove. It was an amazing experience. And there's a there's a way to enjoy running on both sides of that, you know, going for the competitive side and not looking at time so much or being the pace leader. So it's kind of fun to experience all of those different versions of racing. So and it sounds like you're getting to do that. Yeah, I just I just want to say to people to just do what you love, you know, do what brings you joy. It doesn't have to be running if it's lifting, if it's skiing or dancing or cooking, you know, whatever it is, you know, make sure you're enjoying the process and then add that component. Like I mentioned, that charity aspect, whether you're doing it for your kids or you want to inspire your parents, you're doing it because you love cats, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you're doing it for somebody you love. You want to humanity. You want to save the world, whatever it is. When you add that charity component, watch and see what happens. And we all have that thing that we believe in and want to fight for. So it's about finding that thing and and how can you not be passionate about it if you're doing something for something you love? Absolutely. Passion and purpose is what it's all about. Maybe that's the title of my next book. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm only mildly distracted because the cat's over there with a big old tongue blip looking at you. (laughs) Oh, if only you could see this in the podcast. He's really turning it on. Julie, thank you so much for coming to my home studio and being on the Season Athlete Podcast for the second time. That is a distinction that's only been held by two people so far. Yes. uh, And congratulations on the book. Uh, It's an amazing story. Everybody should go pick it up. 52 Weeks, 52 Marathons, The Miles and Trials of a Marathon Goddess. It's available on Amazon. That's probably the easiest place for people to get it, right? Um, Audible. And again, if you go to seasonedathlete.me, there's an Audible link and you can get a free trial and uh, download a free audiobook as part of your free trial. So go check that out if you prefer listening to your books. And um, and definitely check out the story. It's You're going to have a hard time not being inspired to go out and do something bold and meaningful. Before we go, do you have any parting pieces of wisdom that you'd like to share with our Season Athlete audience? I think the perfect quote to sum this podcast up for the seasoned athlete is one of my favorites by C.S. Lewis is you're never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. So keep going and remember, we got this. I was hoping you'd say that. (laughs) Julie, thanks again for being on the show and uh, have a blast with your 52 races for 52 faces. So much. We'll see you out there on the boardwalk. Uh, yeah, we'll run in, we run into each other on the boardwalk. I'll see you out there. All right, seasoned athletes, here are my top takeaways from Julie Weiss. 
Number one, when you have a strong why, you will be amazed at how dedicated and disciplined you can be. This can relate to your own fitness, your career goals, or like Julie, a cause that you connect with in a powerful way. Julie was presented with a number of roadblocks that got in the way of her accomplishing her 52 marathons in 52 weeks goal. But it was the why, her love of her father, and her strong drive to fight for a cure for pancreatic cancer that kept her going and helped her solve any problem that came her way. Number two, although Julie doesn't necessarily recommend that people try running 52 marathons in 52 weeks, she does highlight that there are bold endeavors that we can all do and you don't have to have a lifelong athletic background to do it. Julie didn't start running until her late 30s and is now inspiring people and raising money and pancreatic cancer awareness through running. With a cause and determination, you never know what you can do, especially when you add a charity component to it. And number three, you're never too young and you're never too old to believe in your dreams and go after them. So many of us come to this realization later in life. So that makes it extra important that we pass this on to the young people in our lives. But even if you do figure it out later, know that no matter your age, you can go after your dreams. Thanks again to Julie Weiss. Get her book, 52 Weeks, 52 Marathons, The Miles and Trials of a Marathon Goddess on Amazon or download the audiobook on Audible. And if you've never used Audible before, visit seasonedathlete.me to sign up for a free trial. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from the coolest person to come out of Cupertino, California, Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. Do you know someone who would make a great guest on the show? Or do you have a unique and inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. Check out our entire library of episodes and learn about our distinguished seasoned athlete alumni at seasonedathlete.me. While you're there, click on the Support Seasoned Athlete button to help us continue to share stories of ageless athletes and their remarkable journeys. And if you live in the Los Angeles area and are feeling super inspired to train like a seasoned athlete, visit rutsm.com, where you can train with me to help bring out the seasoned athlete in you. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can.